Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your coach, your guide on the side. Welcome to the program, everybody. Holy cow, have we got a show for you. In fact, we're packing them deep today. Kathleen Corvo is going to be joining us, a professor uh, who's going to talk about trust. We're going we're to learn a lot about trust and how you teach your kids to, to who they should trust, what you should trust, you know trust. It's an important thing. Then we're going to bring in the uh, the master of trust, Mark Waite, one of our great contributors. Uh, he likes to, he waxes, he waxes, what do we want to say he waxes? He waxes wise. Yeah, philosophical. Now that he's in his old age, um, he likes to wax wise about children and how lucky they are to have a... He waxes his car. Yeah, he waxes his cars. Mark Wade will be joining us a little bit later, and he's going to just—he's going to talk to us about uh, you know what happens when your kids get older, and all this stuff you've done their entire life to build trust. Now you get payback, right? It's payday. Now all the blessings flow, or not. We'll talk about that with Mark Wade. We've got a great show, t- all about trust today, and um, from every kind of angle you can imagine. But before you know, we go too much farther. We've got to bring in Alyssa Banks, by the way, the newest member of the Matt Townsend Show. Hello. Hello, Alyssa. How are you doing? I'm great. How are how, you? How are you enjoying your tenure, your your stay with uh, your new job? I shouldn't say stay. It sounds like you're only here for a bit. <laughs> how are you enjoying it? It's bliss. Is it in bliss? In a couple words, yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's my dream job. Really? Yeah. Yeah. You need to dream bigger. <laughs> That's pretty sad. Uh, dr- dream job for college. There you go. There you go. <laughs> That's good. It's um, it's good to have you, and you're 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 doing a great job. Why? Thank you. So you have been doing some research for us about trust because yes. apparently it's waning. We're not as trustworthy as we used to be. It doesn't Is that what seem you're like it. Out? Yeah. Yeah. And and I want I want uh, we call him Bird Dog um, to be listening. <laughs> James, are you listening? I sure am. Because uh, Alyssa's going to teach us about trust. Okay. Okay. And yep. as, as, I don't know if you know this, Alyssa, but he's a doctor of passion. Yes. Oh, wow. Passion. <laughs> That's intimidating. And that is his eye winking. That little whip sound okay. is his eye okay. winking. It's a seductive move he does. None of us look at him when he does it. <laughs> Good thing we're on the radio. <laughs> it creeps us out a little bit. So, um, but because here's an interesting thing, doctor okay. of love. Yeah. Trust and love go hand in hand. Indeed, they do. I agree. So, Alyssa, educate <laughs> us on trust. Okay. So, first of all, the grandparents are in town this week. Yours? Yes. Sweet. Tell yes. them hi. And so, we were talking about the evolution of trust. Yes. You know, and how historically, you know, back in the olden days, you could make a contract based just on your handshake. Oh, yeah. That's it. Your name was everything you needed. Yeah. A little and handshake. And so, Graham Tuff, that's what we call her. Gra- Graham Tuff. Yes. T-U-F-F. I was like, Graham Tuff. Okay. Yes. Oh, Graham Tuff. Wow. <laughs> okay. So, her father was a general contractor. Uh-huh. And she was telling me about how he would make his deals and he would just give a handshake no and way. as specific as I'll finish this in six months on the handshake and every time did it's it. done yeah now no they didn't need like signatures no 
They didn't need a title company to do a background search and a title <laughs> search. and <laughs> Nothing like that. Isn't yeah. that interesting? Yeah. Based on character. Exactly. And now we have five other steps to take, and we still don't trust each other. Yeah. Oh. It's, it's too bad. Now, do I you think. sense it's getting worse? What does Graham Tuff say? She doesn't think it's going. Yeah, going I, think, well. I think it's getting. I think, and part of it maybe is because we're counterfeiting. Because now my character's not what's on the line; it's what I can get away with, right? Mm-hmm. So if I can get away with it legally, maybe I should. Exactly. Instead of saying no, man. Besides, you know, your your granddad would have been beaten up by his father if he had ever crossed the line with his word. You know, yeah. if he had promised something he didn't deliver, exactly. granddad would get him. Yeah, goes so, along with so that. So what, what else are you seeing? I mean, where else do you see this kind of, this struggle with trust? You know, I think um, a, a connection I made was on social media. Mm. And this is, this is something that you wouldn't typically think of. Yeah. But when we're on social media, let's say Facebook, we're looking at pictures of our friends or maybe just we're creeping. We're creeping quote on friends, our friends. Uh-huh. right? Yeah. And Stalking. they have all these fun pictures. Their life is perfect. Yeah. So Liar. Yeah. So what do we trust from social media? We trust that everyone's a bunch of liars. <laughs> okay. So see, we're, we're assuming that they're lying, <laughs> but maybe maybe they're doing well. Maybe they're not. We don't know. But that's, but that's not even, yeah, we're not even being really honest there because we wouldn't put, you don't ever show the, well, sometimes they do, show the sign. You know, they always have water skiing pictures where they uh-huh. look really good. Uh-huh. But they also, they do show every once in a while where they just turf it. Yeah, looking for a little pity. Yeah, so I trust but that But just side. tasteful. Mm-hmm. Never too much, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I think if we really want to be more trustworthy, everybody should post their grades. <laughs> so what you all ought to be posting, because okay. okay. we, we post our children's grades on the refrigerator. Mm-hmm. And it keeps everyone pretty much honest. Because like when they say, yeah, I, I, I'm getting good grades, and we're just like, look at the fridge. Fridge. Not even true. So maybe what you guys ought to do, just because I'm no longer in school. Because I don't know if you know this, but I have a PhD. Oh, sweet. Yeah. That's impressive. And, um, <laughs> I'm kind of a big deal. Kind of a big deal. <laughs> uh, but what, what you might want to do, you guys, because you're in school and you're trying to attract other students, mm-hmm. I'd post my grades on my Facebook page. You're trying to attract other <laughs> students. I don't think it works that way you anymore. You don't think so? Yeah. I really? feel like we just look like we were bragging if we were doing well. And if not, it's just, well, then I all pity of a sudden, the fool. I pity the fool that gets <laughs> right? bad grades. Well, you know, it's just right. an idea. Yeah. It's just an idea from a doctor. Yeah. Not a big deal. <laughs> you know, I, I was thinking I could probably just post pictures of my diplomas. That usually works oh, out pretty well. Oh, the bling, well. Yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. And you could just have pictures of your bling. Speaking of which, <gasps> Look at I, that. I actually do have a diploma for my bachelor's Oh, let me of see bling. that. It's yeah. official. From SMU? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you, you actually forged this from a real university. Well, um, you know, it, it's it's a real degree, so the Bachelor of Bling. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, it was. I got wow. it in the mail, and it was great. I was happy. Is that a BA? It's a BB. Yeah, that's a BB. I have a BB. <laughs> yeah. Um. Not not a BB gun. It's no, it's a degree. A B- it's a BB. B- Bachelor's of Bling. Yeah. You sure that isn't SDU, not SMU? No, it's an M. Snoop Dogg University. I, sh- oh, there it we should go. Be, it should be Snoop Dogg. <laughs> yeah, it should be. Should well, be. getting creative here. Wow, James. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, almost, so, you know, it's amazing. It almost looks real. Yeah. You're de- you're what do you mean almost? <laughs> I think it is real. It's not real. <laughs> I, no, I mean, you, just, you can tell because the seal's uh, just not real. Well, well Matt, see, fooled me. once again, we're talking about trust, so you need to trust that 
you know, I actually do have a degree. Oh. Yeah. Way to tie that back in, James. See, there you go. Yeah. My doctor may be spelt with a K, but it is a degree. <laughs> <laughs> it is a real degree. It's, it's actually a degree. It's not a It's a degree. It's a decree. <laughs> okay. It's not okay. a degree. <laughs> oh, okay. It's a decree. But it's a real one. It's a real decree from some university that pretend. <laughs> uh, well, this is interesting, Alyssa. What else you got? What else What else do we need to know about trust? So another reason I think trust is, you know, maybe going down the toilet is because of sarcasm. Yes. By the way, my forte. Right. <laughs> Which, okay. Hold on. Good thing, bad thing. Was that a backhanded? Uh, were, you, uh, were you trying to compliment? Were you, I don't know. Insult. Were you trying to correct something? No. Okay. We're just talking. Okay. Yeah, Two yeah. friends. Okay. That was close. Yeah. I almost so felt offended. I feel like sometimes when I'm talking to people who, who are sarcastic, I'm like, okay, yeah. And they're just talking. And I don't know if they're joking yeah. or if so you don't they're know serious. Trust. Exactly. Yeah. I hear that all the and time. And it's that here. awkward moment yeah. in between the conversation. And you don't, you don't know what. If you should laugh yeah. or if you should respond seriously. No, I agree. Right? I, just so you know, if you need information in this room, you'll always laugh. You just laugh. Okay. Just Doesn't, assume. Yeah, just smile, <laughs> smile, <laughs> nod, and laugh. Yeah, yeah. it's a safe bet, yeah. I'd say. I mean, it's awkward when you learn that that's because you'll go out to the real world and you'll laugh at everything and a mm-hmm. lot of things won't be funny. Uh-huh. But in here, everything's funny. Okay. It's a yeah. safe place. It's a very safe place. <laughs> uh, sarcasm, because then we don't know what to trust, do we? We don't know, is he, is he being facetious? Is he yeah. being real? Yeah. Hmm. Which is fine. It's fine to joke around, oh, but it's... Wow getting pretty bad give us one more what's one more learning okay so one other thing is we seem to be a little bit more cynical about company promises you know uh we're the number one hot chocolate in the nation yeah you think that's true we've been marketed too much so we don't believe anything (laughs) you know what i mean yeah yeah the best hot chocolate in the world right not not true because grandma made the best right yeah, got gra- our own grandma, memories grandma to tough. go off of. Or we should be uh-huh. like we should be like Buddy the Elf, and we should congratulate people. Yeah, what's your you favorite did color? It. You did it! Yes, <laughs> the best in the world. Yeah. See, that's it. That's yeah. why we're cynical too, huh? Because everything, media, we've had promises. Even our companies have given us promises. Yeah, we no longer have life guaranteed employment. Right. You know what I mean? Taxes are always going up. Well, and people keep telling us, "Question what you read. Question what yeah. you see." So. I think it's just part of what we're going into now. It's a sad day. So in the end, yeah. if you can't trust anything, you trust just, yourself. You have to trust yourself. So today we're going to learn <laughs> how to do that. In fact, Dr. Kathleen Corvo is going to show us how to teach your children about trust and, and really start growing your children in understanding what's real in life, what's not. She's going to clue us in, and I have a pretty good idea that uh, what she's teaching us about our kids, you know, it'll apply to us as adults as well. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to have Dr. Kathleen Corovo here, and we're going to start talking trust and kids. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, remember, the goal of the show is to give you a leg up in this crazy thing we call life. Uh, And, you know, we all, we get here, we're trying to figure out what works, what doesn't in our lives. And 
what has always amazed me is there's incredible research going on at universities all over the, the world, all over the country. And yet some of the greatest thoughts and, and research that are being done, they don't trickle down to the rest of us. And there's a lot of powerful information that we need to know. That's kind of how we came about today's topic. Trust, you know, it's a big deal. We've talked about it before on the show. Who do you trust? How do you trust? But um, I saw some some writing and some research where they cited our next guest. And our next guest is uh, Kathleen Corovo. She is an assistant professor in human development at Boston University. Her research focuses on social and cognitive development in a ch- in childhood with a specific focus on how children decide what people and what information are trust, trustworthy sources. So we thought, oh, interesting. How fascinating to get a pro to come in and talk to us about trust and how it's developed in our children and then how we, you know, kind of take that throughout our lives. And so, Dr. Kathleen Corovo, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It really, I think your work is, is uh, it's, it's interesting, it's fascinating, especially, I don't know if you heard our earlier discussion, it seems like trust, uh, it's, it's changing. What, what we can trust used to just be a handshake from somebody in the community that we knew, and now um, that's all we needed to make a deal. Now it seems like we need so much more. Is, is, there, any, is there any truth to that, or is that just, you know? Is that is that just what we're feeling? Is the world more trustworthy today, do you think, or less? I think one thing that's changed in the world is we've become so much more global, and yeah. we have so much more information at our fingertips with the advent of, for example, the Internet. And so before when, for example, we could just, make a deal on a handshake, now it's so much easier to go and check whether or not someone has said something yeah. correctly or incorrectly yep. by lots of other sources. But then that also raises the question of how do we know that if something's on the internet that it's true? That's so true, huh? I mean, it used to be you would just, if your dad said, oh yeah, that was Sandy Koufax that did that great play or whatever, you'd say, oh okay, you just trust him. Now if you say anything, my kids will look it up on Wikipedia and correct me within five minutes. Exactly. So now, and then, but then that's a great question. What do we trust? Because even on the internet, um, you don't know what's real either. So talk to us about, uh, your studies. I mean, you've been to every university, Harvard, you've been, you've got a master's, um, from Cambridge and another master's from Harvard and a, and a bachelor's, I think from Brown university, you studied deep, Teach us about how you got into the study of trust, of all things. So the reason why we were interested in trust is because prior to around the 2000s, much of the work in psychology focused on children and adults learning via firsthand experience. But if we think about just firsthand experience as a mechanism for learning, there's problems with with just learning via your firsthand experience. There's plenty of concepts that you just can't learn. Right. For example, history, because you can't go back in time right. to decide whether or not something's true. Or the way that you can learn via firsthand experience is inefficient. So, for example, you could learn that the shape of the earth is <laughs> round, is, is a yeah. sphere via going out into space and 
seeing it from a space perspective, but it's much more efficient to actually just trust sure. someone. Or safety. So we, I mean, it seems like you could, I guess, go be harmed and recognize firsthand experience that you could be harmed or you could just take my word on it. Exactly. Right. Don't touch the stove. Right. Because it's hot. Yeah. So you could try it out and recognize that it's hot or it might be much more beneficial to just trust mom that yeah. the stove is hot. So what we were interested in was how do children decide whether or not, uh, how do children learn from other people as sources of information, and do they trust everyone equally? Hmm. And so, again, the kind of default notion was children as a blank slate. Yeah. And, and therefore, it doesn't matter who's providing the information, just if they hear it in general, they should just trust it. And what we've, what we've found is that young children are surprisingly selective in who they decide to learn from. Oh, are they really? Mm-hmm. Okay, teach us about that. So, I mean, it, it, yeah, teach us. So, because so, they, they may not just inherently believe the adult. Exactly. Interesting. Exactly. Hmm. So what we found is that trust develops very early in young children. Children are making decisions about whether or not someone's a trustworthy source really from birth. And when they're deciding whether or not someone is trustworthy, you can kind of think about trust as two separate but somewhat overlapping components. So you can think about emotional trust, whether or not that's someone's uh, someone's good to tell a secret to or will be helpful in uh, caring for you, or epistemic trust, which is really about whether or not that person is an expert in a particular domain who you want to learn from. Yeah. And so so really... You might trust them emotionally because they're your mom, but eventually know that maybe the doctor knows better. Exactly. And so, again, a lot of times these are overlapping. Mm-hmm. So, for example, when you're making a decision about uh, a babysitter, so who do you, who do you want to have your, have, watch your children, you expect that that person is an expert in watching children, but you also expect that they're going to be really kind and emotionally supportive and right. children can confide, confide in them. Yeah. But there's, there's also obviously plenty of instances where they don't overlap. Uh, so you're trying to decide what, what recipe to make. Yeah. You just care about whether or not it's a good recipe, not necessarily whether or not the, the author of the recipe is nice. That's right. That's right. And it seems like every situation will might even need a different balance, you know, of mm-hmm. of of those two. How does so? How does a child discern? And I guess it seems like they'd more naturally just choose to who they're emotionally trusting, until mm-hmm. I guess they had the cognitive ability to know that there's other levels. Right. So what we found is that exactly as you're uh, suspecting, young children first pay attention to those emotional relationships. And if you have a very strong, secure emotional relationship with a child, then that will kind of act as a buffer. So we've also found in other studies that very young children, if, if you tell them something wrong, then they're going to view you as a not trusted source if uh, you don't know them at all. Yeah. But if you do know them at all, parents... Uh, we know that we make mistakes, yeah. and 
children don't just say, okay, you said something wrong, then you're not going to be a good source for me in the future. Wow. They, they, they've got their own little radar detector, huh? Exactly. Isn't exactly. that interesting? So as adults, um, I guess part of the key is we've, we've got to be forging a, a secure emotional relationship with them uh, first. That's right. I mean, that that's that kind of gets into and we've talked a lot about on the show about um, kind of this attachment theories and because what does it do to them to have people around them that aren't emotionally safe? So we've done a little bit of work looking at children's attachment style with mom. And what we found is that there's been depending on whether or not children has a, have a secure or an insecure attachment with mom, that influences kind of their default um, approach to trusting. Huh, so yeah. if they're secure in their relationship with mom, they're certainly fine with all things being equal, trusting whatever mom says. But as soon as it's clear that mom is saying something kind of wacky or outlandish, they're also really happy to say, no, mom, I'm, I, I don't believe you. Yeah. But in instances where children don't have a secure relationship with mom for varying reasons, then they either are so wanting to have that relationship with mom that they overbelieve her or so clear that they don't have a good relationship with mom that they underbelieve her. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Man, who would think this is all going on? This is, I mean, the, the reality is, is they are little truth detectors and that relationship emotionally matters. And it, it's also going to impact their, their, I guess, ability eventually. And we'll talk about this after the break. Um, I want you to get in and teach us what we should be doing as parents to be able to increase their ability to trust others and read people even better. Again, we're talking with Dr. Kathleen Corovo. She uh, is, is um, an expert in our children, really, and how you develop trust within our children and understanding how children develop trust. We're going to take a break when we come back. More with Dr. Corovo right here on the Matt Townsend Show on BYU Radio. back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're talking about your children and how trust is formed in the mind of a little child, how they begin to trust you, who they trust, and what are the best ways that we as parents can maybe forge that trust and uh, and help our children understand, you know, who to trust, how to trust, what's really trustworthy, all of those little ideas. We're joined um, on the phone by Kathleen Corovo. And uh, Kathleen is uh, an educator at Boston University. She has her PhD and is is an expert assistant, or sorry, an assistant professor in human development at Boston University. She's um, also received a doctorate of education from Harvard University. She has two master's degrees in um, one is in mind, brain, and education, 
And um, another was from uh, at the University of Cambridge from the Center for Neuroscience and Education. So she's trying to help us get into the little brains of our kids and understand better how trust works in their mind. Uh, Kathleen, welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show. Thank you. Yeah, and, and Kathleen, you have you have children of your own, right? I do. I have three. What? So it's got to be fun for you to look in, take all this research that you do, and then to go interact with your children. Uh, do, do you see? Okay, so what are you seeing even with your own kids, or what should we be doing as parents with our children to to help us understand their trust and and maybe you know not take advantage of it, but make sure that they're healthy. So the most important thing is something that I'm sure all your listeners are doing anyway, which is to develop and maintain a positive social and emotional relationship with your child and starting that very early so that that child feels that their that their parents are the secure base from which they can explore. Yeah, because once they're secure, they can kind of tie on to you and then go explore life in a, in a bigger way. They can go, they can go out of their, their immediate area and be able to trust that they can be safe to go out and come back. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, and I guess we just do that by being consistent, by being predictable. How does, I mean, it seems like I see just in the marriages I work with, one thing that really fosters trust is predictability. <laughs> Cause mm-hmm. I know, I know you're going to be there. I know how you're going to be there. Not a lot of surprises. Exactly. So one of the one of the cues that young children use is uh, so the two main cues that they use when they're deciding whether or not someone is trustworthy are these uh, emotional cues like whether or not when I ask for help you'll be there whether or not when I need someone you'll be there and then more about these accuracy cues. So when I ask for something, do you provide me with information that's, that's correct? Mm. And what we find is that young children kind of use very hard and fast rules. So if you make a mistake and I don't know you, then I'm, I don't want to turn to you again because you were wrong. So especially when working with young children, being consistent and predictable is the most important thing. And the, with, for me as a parent, one way that, that that's influenced me is oftentimes when we work with young children, you might kind of joke around and say, oh, this is a shoe when you're talking about, yeah. you know, a fork or something and like, or putting a shoe on your head and saying, should I wear it as a hat? And this is really confusing for young children, <laughs> yeah. actually. Um, you know, they may laugh, but it, it, in a sense, it, it is influencing how they're viewing you. That's interesting. So that's why sarcasm, they're too young to pick it up, and then they just see you as unpredictable, unreliable. That's right. And then they opt that's out right. of using you or your resources because you're not quite what I need right now. Right. With the caveat that if you've already been shown to be this emotionally stable person, then children are more willing to give you the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. So if you do this crazy thing, like put a shoe on your head, they're not going to all of a sudden not go to you in other situations because they, you've developed a strong trusting relationship over time. So that's kind of, I guess, the other side. So you said earlier, there's two kinds of uh, trust, I guess. One is the emotional side that they know they can trust you 
that you're there, you're consistent, and then also, I guess, the expertise trust. That's right. So I guess when they think you're goofing around, they just think you're not a good expert. So, But if you're That's emotionally right. strong. So I guess in the end, if we're going to focus on one longstanding key would be, I guess, do everything you can to emotionally, like you're saying, connect to them and know you're yeah. there. Mm-hmm. In good and bad, you're going to be there. That's right. That's powerful. And then does that does that eventually get transferred as they get older to the world? Do they do they then take this kind of regimented approach to judging the world that way? Because I mean, a lot of us feel like, I mean, and they are developmentally. Our children are so young, they're so naive, they're so vulnerable, and then we put them out into a world where, you know, there's people that could hurt them, and that's you know that that impacts us. How do they how do we how do they transition into trusting adults and trusting others? Right, absolutely. We don't want to be raising young children who are just trusting everyone, right? Yeah. We want to be raising skeptical learners who are uh, who who are able to think critically in certain situations. So we want to be able to have children have this kind of secure base, but then also always be constantly evaluating. Hmm. How do you how do you teach that? I guess how do you? I mean, what what would you what do you suggest we do as parents that to increase kind of I guess the critical thinking of our children? Mm-hmm. So one way is to highlight our own reasoning when we're evaluating someone's credibility. So if we say, "Oh, I'm I, I need to figure out." Uh, how to work my car. I'm going to I'm going to look around and figure out which car mechanic to call and the reason why I'm choosing this person is because he knows a lot about cars and uh, mommy and daddy need some help. Uh, but that helps young children to think about to, to begin to understand the domains of expertise that a person can have and that some people can have strengths and weaknesses in particular areas. Sure. Well, and that seems like a very day-to-day thing that any mother, any father could do just as they're going to get their oil changed. Or, mm-hmm. I mean, and then you involve the child in it. I had a, I had one of my kids once. I said, just run down and go take your car to the car wash. And he looked at me like, what, you think I'm suicidal? <laughs> I'm like, what? He's like, he looked like he was terrified. I'm like, just get in the car and drive to the car wash and pay for a car wash and then you'll get your car and it'll be cleaned. And he, he, and it dawned on me, I had never taken him to a car wash ever. Mm-hmm. And so then I thought, wow, okay. And then I'm asking him to be a big boy at the age of 17 and do something. Holy cow. I washed every car when I was a kid. Are you kidding me? You don't know this, but it's interesting as parents, we don't always, I think we just assume they're going to get stuff. Instead of understanding right. that there's a process to this. Right. And, it, and this actually becomes more critical nowadays where, again, children have access to so much information yeah. virtually at their fingertips. And so we're asking children to evaluate which doctor to choose or uh, read between four different newspaper articles and decide what really is happening over in this situation. Right. And in order to critically evaluate that, they need some 
cues about how to determine whether or not a particular source is credible or a particular person is credible. Well, and does it matter on the the medium by which the information comes? Because you, in one of the articles I read that you talked about, um, if if something is written down, they're much more likely to believe it. That's right. And so if it's coming in over the Internet and they're reading it, they might believe something just because it's written. Or if it's coming in over text... They might they That's might be right. more likely to believe it. Talk about that. Teach us how that why why are they so prone to believing it just because it's written? Well, and and I'm sure we we've all had that that um, feeling as adults too that oh I read it so it must be true. Oh yeah, so true. And it was in the paper. So, exactly, it was in the paper, or I saw it online. Uh, it, I, I certainly have had conversations with relatives yeah. where. I've been told, well, I read it, and so therefore it's true, without yeah. any sort of thinking about, well, what was the source of that information? Right. And part of, part of the struggle we think with text is that oftentimes uh, it's, there may be an author there, but sometimes the author is some, sometimes separated from the text. You know, you, you might not see a picture of the author. Right. Or, or it's... or. If you're in a museum and you're reading something about some uh, about a particular uh, animal, if it's written down, likely it's been vetted by multiple people, and so you're, re- you're yeah. assuming that what you're reading is kind of a consensus view. Yeah, like Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah, well, Wikipedia <laughs> is most definitely a consensus view. Exactly. That's what's so funny about it. But we read it like, oh yeah, yeah, it was on Wikipedia. Right. And you're like, oh, okay. So what, 50 people just added something and we all agree. Okay. Um, but, but what's cool about this, and this is how I guess we could use writing to our advantage, is if we want to have more impact with our children, like on rules, that was the article I, I read was about, mm-hmm. you want your kids to read the, and to live the rules, write them down. Yes. That's huge. Yes. They'll so, trust them more because we wrote them down. They're on the wall. Yes. So I... I will confess that I have used this strategy with my own children huh. for sleep rules. Good. Does it work? It, somewhat. So yeah. I, what I would suggest for any parents that are listening is if you're going to write something down, the most important thing is to make what you're writing down very concrete and pretty short. Yeah. So our sleep rules are they, there are four parts. One is stay in bed. <laughs> Two, close your eyes. Three, um, one, stand. Oh, three, be quiet. Four, go to sleep. That's great. <laughs> those are our sleep rules. You know what? That is awesome. By the way, can you send those to me? I need those for my teenager. <laughs> because he, it's the he, it's the concrete he doesn't get, isn't that? But that the funny thing is, is your kids now. It's a process. They can trust that. Mm-hmm. You, you might want to add, breathe deeply. Take deep breaths. You know what? I think it's fascinating. It's it's really fun research I think you're doing. Um, and I want to come back and, and just keep picking your brain on what else we should be watching out for as a parent. Because there's other things that I, I really want to find out. Do they trust Cinderella more than they trust an Einstein? Do they trust a, a caricature of something more than they trust an actual human? And, and pick your brain on that. We're talking again with Kathleen Corvo from Boston University. She's an assistant professor there in the Department of Human Development. She's teaching us about trust and how we can uh, work with our children and understand how they grow trust 
so they can grow healthy and strong in their trust. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. More ideas on trust right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Have you ever just wondered why your kids don't trust you as much as they could? It might be because you're joking with them too much. Today we're talking with our expert, Kathleen Corvo. She is a professor of human development at Boston University, and she's here to teach us about trust. And our children, um, number one thing she said so far that we have to all remember is they need, your kids need a really strong emotional connection and relationship with you if you want to have a trusting relationship with them. Uh, also, another little interesting side note we talked about in the last break was when when things are written down, our children tend to believe them a little bit more, as they do with, um, as we all do, really. I mean, it's a trick we all kind of fall into, which is why, Kathleen, that uh, when my kids are sitting there reading their cereal boxes— that advertising is really powerful because they think they need things that are all on that cereal box or when they watch Disney Channel. or I mean, that's why I mean, it's such a visual thing, isn't it? Absolutely. There's actually some new research uh, by some, some of my colleagues, Judith Danovich and Candace Mills, who, that have found that if, if Dora the Explorer is on something, children prefer it even if it's broken. Oh, really? Yeah. Even if it's just shredded and broken yeah. and needs to be thrown away. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Right. Isn't... Suggesting, again, this really powerful aspect of advertising. Can they? Can these kids, um, young children, I know developmentally, eventually they, they get it, but ha- talk to us about fictional f- characters and uh, non-fictional, like just real people. Do When do they start to trust one or the other. When do they move from knowing that that person's not real? Right. So we were interested in how children make this distinction between historical figures and fictional figures because both of them are in narratives. Uh-huh. So again, it's information provided by someone else, often in written form through stories. And so, again, if you're thinking about this this idea that children are more likely to believe something that's written down, how do they decide if most of the stories that they're exposed to are pretend that things can be real? Right. So what we did was we gave children stories and we, uh, that they had never heard of before, and we were interested in whether or not they decided that the character in the story, the protagonist, was a real person or a pretend person. And what we found was that the way that children make these distinctions is they attend to the events that are happening in the story. So if there's something that happens in the story that's implausible or seemingly impossible, for example, in Cinderella, like turning a pumpkin into a coach, then children are more likely to believe that Cinderella is pretend. But that actually only happens by around age five. Huh. That, that, that it, it's after age five they'll start doing that. That's right. Before age five, children are fine with Cinderella because they've heard of her before. Right. But if you give them a news story, 
they struggle with making the distinction between uh, real and pretend. Oh, interesting. So is there is there something we can be doing to help our children, you know, differentiate that? I mean, from five on and help them be more critical or, I mean, more, I don't know, be able to think a little deeper about what's real, what's not. Yeah. Actually, what you can do is exactly what young children are doing. So if you point out the aspects of the story that are either real or pretend, then that helps children to be able to make that distinction and figure out where the line is between what's real and what's pretend. And just asking questions about what's real, what's Mm -hmm. pretend. And it's interesting Mm -hmm. they focus on the event. It's almost like they're okay with the person. But not yeah. the events surrounding the person. That That's like the tell sign, right? The the giveaway. Right. So could it really happen that a pumpkin could get really big and turn into something the size of a car? Yeah, no, Mom. Right. That's then great. Maybe. So what do you think about Cinderella? You know, is yeah. she real or pretend? That's great. Oh, that's so great. Except, it, it, um, again, now you got to deal with... I mean, religions have stories that sometimes you can't tell, fictional, real. And so it, it's interesting. A lot of this is so much just being with your child and le- and exploring with them and, and creating That's the right. right question and the right relationship to walk, walk them through these things. Yes. So we did actually do a study exploring religious narratives yeah. because of that, because if the, the strategy that young children are, are using is focusing on these seemingly impossible events, then religious stories, religious narratives often include miracles. Sure. Yeah. So what Did, do young children do with those? Yeah, Noah, hello. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hello. Um, that is fascinating. What about, and I don't want to, I don't want to like have a, a spoiler, this is a spoiler alert, but um, what about fictional stories we as parents tell our children yes. a- around certain times of year? That might um, yeah. that might be semi-fictional, but then have some really weird outcomes that seem real. Right. Is that um, healthy? Or are we are we literally <laughs> setting our children up for a major breakdown later? Right. So certain entities definitely require an element of faith uh, because they transcend physical constraints. Yes. So part of the magic surrounding. Uh, people are their ability to do what humans can't. Yeah, right? well, and be so everywhere within like a night. That. Yeah. How can one yeah. person be everywhere in the world in a night? Exactly. Yeah. So, so I, don't ha- I, I don't believe that this is problematic. Yeah. Certainly as faith evolves in young children, there may be periods of questioning. Sure. But... Parents should know that if a child ever questions the accuracy of their statements, again, as long as you've developed this strong emotional relationship, um, it may not, it shouldn't necessarily transfer to one area, right. to another arena. Um, and as long as you've developed this strong emotional relationship, it, it won't make you less tr- less trusting. Right. So they'll trust you. And eventually they'll be let in on the secrets of life, and then they'll just look at you like, ah, oh, geez. <laughs> which, which, and, which and every kid does anyway. In a lot of anyway. ways, what you're doing is you're creating rituals with your young children yeah. 
um, which uh, really help in, in, in foster those social and emotional relationships. No, that's true, huh? And, and it does create great memories and connection, and that's mm-hmm. powerful. Is there... Um, it seems like a lot of times, too, we, we might choose to be less than truthful because the child may not be old enough to handle certain truths of mm-hmm. life, right? So where did grandma go? Well, grandma's... We, use, we, might, we might not tell them the whole story about right. how grandma was an alcoholic and she drunk herself to death. What, right. what, is, there, is there a fine line we need to worry about there? Or again, is it just kind of normal protective behavior that, if, that makes them emotionally safe and then we can fill them in more later? How does, do we need to worry about a perceived lie as a parent? No, I don't think so. Definitely the, the way that different cultures view white lies certainly varies. Yeah. Um, and there's certain cultures that believe that the most important thing is those social relationships. And so, for example, you don't want to say to someone, I don't like your outfit. It's, it's really ugly. Right. But it's so the truth. It, it's yeah. much nicer to say, oh, that's it. I, yeah. I w- would never have imagined yeah. wearing wow. a hat like that <laughs> or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and so there, it's much more important to focus on the social aspects as opposed to, you know, the accuracy part. Hmm. It's, it's, so, no, I don't, I don't think it's a problem to employ white lies on occasion. Yeah. Well, and I guess, again, it's going back over and over to this basic, deep, this connection with our child. Uh, give us—we we only have about 20, 30 seconds. What would you say is the one thing— Kathleen, that we need to remember when it comes to trust and our children? I think the most important thing is recognizing that children aren't these naive sponges, that, that they are these critical thinkers that are making decisions about who to turn to in lots of situations. Yeah. And so we, we just need to be mindful that when we're interacting with children, they're, they're that becomes that forms the basis for their future uh, trusting relationships. Oh, I love that, and and take a big part in setting them up to be able to succeed by being more of a critical thinker as well. Right, set them up, train them, teach them, talk about it. That's right. That's right. Well done. Well, I appreciate uh, your insight, Kathleen. Again, Kathleen Corovo is her name. She's uh, she's helping out a ton. Go if you want more information about her. You can just go uh, Google her name, Corovo. Kathleen, thanks for being here. Thank you very much. So appreciate it. We're going to take a break, continue our discussion of trust right here on the Matt Townsend Show right after this break on BYU Radio. everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your coach, your guide on the side. Today, we will be taking a journey to trust land. 
We're going to go deep inside the bowels of trust. Who better to take us there than Aaron? I will take you to the bowels of trust, Why, Matt. Uh, Aaron, back. Aaron's our newest married member of the team. Uh huh. You've been married officially how long now? It's been one month and a half. One sh- month one and month. a half. Yeah. Did I say that right? <laughs> uh, sure. Sure. You know, it's cute. You're still June twenty eighth. Ca- you're still counting. I was trying to like count because I, I got to get this right. Halves. I know. Well, you know, when you're when you're married a long time like me, you give up halves. Like thirty years ago, yeah, because it's just you know I don't know twenty something years. Well, it's First, just like it's when like, you get a baby, yeah. like oh yeah, my baby's twenty months old. Yeah, like, okay, yeah. or you could just yeah, that say makes almost me laugh. Two years, I mean, going on thirty six months. My, my yeah, my baby's one hundred and forty eight months old. <laughs> Growing wow. up so fast, <laughs> your baby's old. Yeah. That's kind of what we're in. Like we've been married for twenty one months now. You know, it's probably going to happen, but it changes. Yeah, and then it yeah. becomes. Years. Then you go to years. Then decades, it's just like, then you don't even know. Centuries. And then your mind goes blank and you're thinking, ah, oh boy, I'm going to be dead if I can't get the date right. Yeah. It's bad. Yeah. Then you don't trust each other. No, it's true. So in all of your month and a half, uh-huh. you, you've you've decided you need to go research. Not that you have a trust problem. You, you're, you're trying to anticipate you don't want to have a trust problem with your, your well, yeah. wife. And this is something that I've thought about even when we've just been dating is because trust is... Something I realized when we we're kids, it's so easy to have. As a child, you trust your parents to give you food. It just is almost a behavior that you don't even think about. No. You, you'll go home and sleep that night. You just know these things are going to happen. But when we grow up and we change and we're older and we, we meet hardships and we fear things, we have uncertainty, we start not trusting yeah. people or things in life because they're not certain anymore. And so when you get married, that's probably one of the most biggest um, steps I think in anyone's yeah. life well, to take. T- yeah. I mean, it's a huge trust. You know why? To marry someone. You're you're going to you're going to lay next to somebody that could kill you. That, yeah. I mean, you're With taking chops, yeah, this chopsticks. this is something. I mean, the mere fact that you shared an apartment with, with James, James that I was, have big time trust with you, people who sleep next to me that's yeah. all I gotta well, say well now I know why James. you have such trust issues yeah well just a side note there was about eight feet in between us that, <laughs> yeah. yeah different they beds. were two separate twin beds but still <laughs> that's a big I, bed I wake up and that see him staring feet, two beds <laughs> oh between gosh. you but here's what's cool about it you guys but see you see the same thing with roommates so if I because yeah. yeah. I coach couples all the time and I coach those that are dating those that are married those that are divorced and I bet you bucks I could coach roommates. The oh, trust sure. is So in all of your research, what have you found are the keys to building trust? Honestly, this is what I've learned is you got to be truthful about even the littlest things. If if you, this is silly, but if I was, you know, eat a Snickers bar or something and kind of jokingly lie about it, but those things could pile up, you know, oh, and yeah. you don't want to have little lies that don't really mean too much become reasons for your spouse to doubt you. Oh, yeah. I used and, to hide that I would drink like a carbonated drink. Like, I, hey, yeah, I got a Diet Coke or whatever. I'd hide that from my wife yeah. because that's she didn't like me to spend the money. Or so, drink the Coke, right? Well, she didn't care if I died oh, of she, cancer. Okay. But um, she just would say, you know, that costs us money. But yeah. in the end, I started hiding it, so I had to become a closet drinker. Yeah. Is that a, that's a new term I, I'm yeah. learning, a closet drinker. I would, well, okay. I would drink, I'd have to hide it. I have that problem with Mountain Dew. Do you? So I probably, yeah, I do. But you can't start lying. The minute you start lying, yeah, the dew is done. Yeah, the dew is done. So that's good. No secrets. Yeah, no secret. Okay. And then there's a couple of these. I want to see ones we can get through the most important. But 
for me, remembering promises I've kept, uh, yeah. even if they're small things I've said I, I need to do, I need to be reliable. Is that that's the key? Is to always be there. If you say you're gonna take out the trash or you're gonna bring home an item yeah. like milk or something, yep. do it. Don't don't forget because every time you forget, that makes you less reliable, uh-huh. and that leads to you know, we, okay, we, I'll just do it myself. And as humans, we tend to we tend to say it thinking that that is it, but really doing it is the more important thing. Yeah. And that's, that's something I, I'll say something, you know, but if I don't put it in my calendar, I've done this on my phone now more yeah. I have to remind myself because it's easy to forget little things that really shouldn't be little because it's your spouse. Well, you, you know, when you're older, so. you're going to forget a lot more. Yeah. I'm already, I'm already 20, turn 26. That's, isn't that getting old? No. Are you sure? No. Doesn't the dementia kick no. in after 25? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. It's, 20, 20, it's, 20, it's, it's 26. Okay, so no, it's... Start- it'll kick in. It's just... You don't know old, my friend. Okay. I'm just trying to relate, you, This Matt. is how you Come know... On. Yeah, it's not working. Ugh. This is how you know you're old. When you, when you kind of stoop down to get in your car, yeah. if you actually make this sound when you're getting in, <laughs> if that comes out of your mouth, all right. you're getting old. That's from having to bend down, or is that because you can't fit your stomach behind the steering wheel? It's a little bit wheel? of all of it. And oh, okay. it's just your hips will go... Oh, it's bad. So if you make an actual, huh, if you bear down to get in and out of your car and you notice hmm, you're bearing down, you're old. Buy a pickup truck. That's right? a sign. Oh, okay. Buy a pickup. What else you got? <laughs> so this is interesting too. Uh, setting boundaries is important with friends, coworkers, family. Yes. You want to put your spouse first. Prim- primo. But it's easy right. to like say, you know, I want a guy's night or I have to do this for work or my my family wants us to have dinner, but you need that personal yeah. time. You know and what? I've realized you do. that. That personal time is important. You know, we've been doing tons of things with uh, parties or, or I have a wedding tomorrow I'm going to with uh, yeah. some friends. Those are nice to go to, but date, you know, going on those dates and being alone yeah. is still important. And it's hard to remember that because you're always together. And you you're know, going so. eventually to have a family. And yeah. that family's then going to tear you two different directions, 12 mm-hmm. different ways, five different times. Right. And so that's a huge one. I've seen more people. I, I actually don't. I've said this on the show a million times. I don't have a lot of friends I go do stuff with because mm-hmm. my friends now are my family. Yeah. So it's not like we have friends. And I, if, I had a friend, if I had an issue, I'd go call a friend and I could call a friend and we could go do something. The problem with it is is you really only have so much time. So when you think of only yeah. having three or four hours at the end of a day, she needs to be first, your spouse first, if you want to keep growing trust, right? And um, the further she gets pushed away from that – in fact, even today I worked with a client on that issue. The further you get pushed away from that primo position, trust is going to drop. Trust, we tend to, we also tend to trust people that understand us. And the more you're together conscientiously working and talking and connecting, the more I'll understand you. Mm-hmm. And then she'll trust me more because I'm getting her. Right. I'm not just predictable for her and I'm not just always there, but I actually am getting. See, a lot of us think just being, being in the room should make her happy. Yeah. You got to no. get her. L- listening is something that I think all guys, especially me, I'm not going to talk for all guys because some guys are good listeners. No, we'll let James talk for but the James guys. can talk for the guys. He's the doctor. I, okay. We're great listeners. We're great. James is a great listener. Aaron, you're not a great I would listener. Vent. No. no. I'm working on it. You yeah, know. You, are. you I yeah. would vent and you would listen. So, I mean, I have to be sometimes be the person who's listening and that's- That's you know, harder. It's harder because it's easy to talk, tell about your problems. Listening, though, really does build trust. And, it does. Um yeah, I want to touch before we go to break too. Team building exercises. This is something I do for fun with my wife. This is just an idea. As of late, we've played 
uh, the Hobbit Lego video game, and this could be anything you, you do together. But this particular game lets you uh, be cooperative together and, and cool. be able to a video game help game. each other. No, I, I and you could do that I with board games or no, something else. Anything. But you could go I play think, tennis. Yeah, you could play doubles. It's fun. You to be could able do to a marathon together. Do triathlon. I mean, I know that's a great idea. If you have fun and you're like talking. It's like, hey, you know, help me slay this goblin. Okay, you know, so can I give you some advice? Fun. On that? Yeah. Um, at some point, you're going to have to give the Legos up. But until you well, do, I can build Legos with my kids. No, you, you totally can. Oh, you, by the way, you will. Yeah. Until your fingers bleed. Oh. But here's the cool thing: you step on a Lego. That's so, what makes your foot bleed too. I would, after every activity you do with your wife, like every game you play on Legos, mm-hmm. um, I would then talk. So when you're done and you're turning it off, right. And you're going to bed. I would go. I'd ask each other one question. Okay. What's one third? What's one thing you learned about me playing that game? today's game this time and have each of each time you both have to identify a learning so half the time the activities aren't nearly as valuable as the debrief after the activity okay that's interesting so talk about so it like talk about oh it. i learned this about you okay. i learned that you'll kill a hobbit to get what you want and when your wife learns that maybe wow. she won't want you anymore okay <laughs> You know Wise I mean? words from Matt Townsend all right i'm going to do that so that's, Thank that's you. great great advice thanks see and that's just in a month and a half you yeah. wait. Wait till you've been married like six and a half months. Yeah. Well, I'll, yeah. That'd be or, how or many like days eight, is that? Eight and three quarters of a month. I'm going to start counting by days probably. You're good. You did All good, right. Aaron. And uh, <laughs> appreciate the moment between you two of um, where you two as roommates kind of got on each other. That was good. Yeah. I love James. He needs to. He's a great guy. I love you too. Keep doing what he's doing. Yeah. Good guy. I feel the love. We're going to move on. When we come back, uh, Mark Waite is going to join us. Wise, wise, wise Mark Waite. He's one of the wisest guys at BYU Broadcasting. That's why we bring him in here. We pick his brain. He's going to talk about kids as they get older, how we, uh, you know, what happens to the relationship as our, as our children turn into adults. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. In the house, Mark Waits here. Now, Mark, you, if you haven't listened Hello, to the Matt. show for a while, we've asked Mark to be on the show, I think, weekly. And Very he, weekly, <laughs> with an A. And it's always like, oh, yeah, we want to be on. No, oh, sorry, we don't need Two or three you. times we had other issues and cancellations and then a bunch of stuff. No, no, it's okay. I'm here at your beck and call. But, you say jump. I say, how high? Now, this is the neatest thing about you. Right now, as we speak, your radio show is still running. How do I do it? How do I do two live radio it's shows magic. at the same time? I'm a wonder. You're a, I'm you're, a, you're a boy wonder. Uh, Can by I the just way, mention headphones for just a second? Yeah. Headphones you're wearing right now, yes. I purchased with my own personal money. Did you really? And I got them on sale for $7. Little yeah. Tiny skull I candies. love these. These headphones around my neck? Yeah. $1,000 headphones. <gasps> Thousand? No, don't worry. I didn't buy them. Who I'm not crazy. Those for you? They're loners from okay. the manufacturer. Wow! And I'm not even wearing them because they're too precious to wear. They're don't so even expensive. look at them. Just don't look at them. These are literally. I can't take my eyes these off. These literally them sell for a thousand dollars. It's it's like bling. Because you know, I don't know so if you I'm know, not James wear wears bling everywhere he goes. I'm just going to set them aside and look at them. Because when th- I'm wearing them, I can't see them. I think I'm going to have to try those on. You're not going to go anywhere near them. 
I would I rather loan those. you my toothbrush. I think, be, well, I might need that after, too. <laughs> I'm wearing $8, $7 Seven. headphones, and you're wearing 1000 I'm looking at them. I'm not wearing them. They're too precious to wear. Dude, that's great. That's like buying a Porsche. Porsche. I'm going to have to send them back to the factory eventually, but in the meantime, yeah. I'm enjoying them. Well, trust. <clears throat> so we have trust, trust issues. You, you don't trust me to wear those. I, you don't trust me to be on your show. I do. <laughs> I do. It's just... You're never here. <laughs> and then we found out, no, you are. You're I'm just, literally you're, you're one, one foot away one on room the, other, down. the other wall. Hey, by the way, just so everybody knows, you are a host of the radio show Through the Garage Door. Producer, Don's the host. What? You talk. You pre- you're, I do you're, talk. You're I'm, a talker. Yeah, he's the host. I'm the producer. Do you know what? Don't tell anybody this. But Don's our boss. Don't tell, don't tell him that. He doesn't even know. He shouldn't know. He'll go to his head. But that's a great show. Especially if you uh, if you know anything about music, the problem I've noticed with your show, all of your music—it's <laughs> this rock and roll music—that um, I don't. You you were obviously a metalhead, kind of yeah, and you, yet I'm on classical eighty nine. I know it's the weirdest thing. Yeah. So how do I trust that? You seem you seem. There was a study done uh, just a couple of years ago that looks at the personality traits of different genre lovers of music. Yes, and by far the two most similar groups were people who love heavy metal and classical music. Are you serious? Because these are the people who love depth and complexity. Yes, and drama and are deaf and extreme. Yeah, <laughs> you know who like extreme music. Wow. So trust. I like Simon been, what, are you been, what have you been talking about trust? We've talked about uh, a bunch of stuff. How, how you develop your, it with How your, your children grow it and how it's kind of how everything that we do with them, they're measuring. See, we just think they're just these kind of blank slate, clueless kids. But really, they're constantly measuring trust from birth. Yeah, and it, it goes to the same old thing, you know, uh, modeling – um, setting an example, and I, you know, <laughs> you have three kids, three boys, uh, both on the verge of adulthood, ages twenty to twenty-four. Wow! And it looks like we might have some marriages in the future. So I'm in this weird position oh. where we're trying to learn how to raise adult children. Yeah, right? that's weird. And and seeing the fruits of our labors mm-hmm. and our failures. Where did we yeah. fail in their behavior yeah. training or, or the public school system? Yeah, let's blame, yeah. let's blame the teachers. Well, we can't. You, yeah. My wife is a teacher, no, yeah. so oh, that's right. <laughs> um, <laughs> that and won't work. If, as an adult, if I feel like there are two uh, standards, there's what the kids get to do mm-hmm. and what I get to do. Yeah. And if I get to do things that the kids don't get to do, oh yeah, and then they see me doing them, uh-huh. then there is no trust there. Yeah. And so parents can often, I think, lie to their children. Hide that. Because they, they don't want their children to see that dad is mortal, that he makes mistakes, yeah. that he does things that he doesn't want them to do. Mm-hmm. So I have to admit that I have modeled not always stellar behavior for my kids. Yeah. But I will say, and I'm pretty sure this is true, that I've never lied to them. That's great. And tried to – like, convince them that dad never makes mistakes. Yeah. That he you're, never put his hand in the cookie jar. You're right? trying to be transparent. You're you are what you are, but you're not I'm not going to lie to you. But 
you know, I am going to. On the other hand, you don't want to go around modeling Mm -hmm. bad behavior. And I think a lot of people, parents do that, you know, with drinking and smoking Mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. The kids see that and, well, that's just a natural. They're going to fall into those horrible habits. So it's the, the ideal. Yeah. The right answer is to live a virtuous life. Don't you think? That that's it. You never have to lie. You're never tempted yeah. to lie. And then they see your example. They go, well, okay, that's the way it's supposed see, to be. See, my kids have done that. Easier said than done. I tell them, uh, yeah, you can't have caffeine. No, you, uh, you can't have a drink. You can't have a, you can't have a caffeinated drink. Yeah, yeah, you can't have a Mountain Dew like Aaron. Well, um, <laughs> and they're like, well, you, you get one. Yeah. And I'm like, well, so what do you say? But yeah. I'm dad. Well, I, I don't Different rules that. for dad. I just say, yeah, so I don't care if I die. But I do care about you. Isn't that weird? And then they're like, well, dad, <laughs> it doesn't we count. care if you die. So then all of a sudden they've got me. But if, if all of a sudden you're drinking stuff you shouldn't be drinking, you're not going to let your kids drink. Yeah. But all of a sudden we have these weird little problems we've got to talk through with our kids. Yeah, so I mean I, I admit that I've made mistakes because I haven't lived, uh, you know, the most stellar life. Uh, but I haven't set, you know, any horrible examples for them either. No. The trick is to not lie. And so it's a two-way street, right? My kids, when they were young, I implored them. I pleaded with them. I screamed at them, <laughs> don't lie to me, right? Yeah, I'll because, get it. Look, I get this. If you put your hand in the cookie jar – that's naughty, yeah. right? But lying about it is a hundred times yeah. worse because yeah. now you violated the trust that we have with each other. And now next time, I don't know if you're lying to me or not. I just want to know that you're telling me the truth. So don't That's a great principle, though. Lie Let, to Let's me. agree that we will always tell the truth and I won't be unfair about it. Yeah. Okay. So if you did put your – if I notice that cookies are missing and I confront <laughs> you, I mean, we're going to this very generic and yeah. innocuous well, example, right? One. Yeah. Um, then just tell me, yeah, Dad, I did it. Yeah. And then it'll be like, well, please don't do that again. Maybe you're in trouble. Go stand in the corner for five yeah. minutes. But that's nothing compared to the, the trust. And, okay, so here's the problem. I failed. You what? Because I know that my adult children still lie to me sometimes. Are they lying to protect you? Are they lying to keep you out of their business? Why are they lying? Probably to keep me out of their business uh, because it's easier kids... to just to just tell people what they want to hear. Yeah. Just tell people what they want to hear. And I, I, I swear I'm not the one who taught them that principle, but they uh, sometimes still learned it. And sometimes I know he's not telling them this is not right. But, I mean, what are you going to do? You're not going to call them out and say, dude, you're lying What to if me. you can't? Do it. And if you do it, do it on – do record it because I want to hear it. Yeah. Well, most of the time you can't be sure. But no. here's the problem. When you do catch them in lies, it's the boy who cried wolf. Mm-hmm. Over their lifetimes, when you do catch them in lies, you realize that there is a breach of trust and you can't always believe them. And so here's where it really hurts is when sometimes they tell you something and then you're going thinking back. Now, let's see. I know that you're capable of lying to me. Yeah. And right now I'm not sure if you are if you aren't. And it's horrible. It's a horrible feeling. Yeah. It's a painful feeling. I think you're probably lying to me, but I'm not sure. Uh-huh. So I'm just going to go with it. I'm going to say, okay, whatever. I'll you're an adult. I'm not you. making your I'm, yeah. not, I'm not disciplining. Here's the good news is I don't have to discipline you. Yeah, you're, you're out of my house. And so if they yeah. are lying to me, well, that's, that's unfortunate. It's a breach of trust and of our relationship. On the other hand, it doesn't ultimately matter because it's not really my problem anymore. Interesting. That's a hard – When they were five years old, it was still my problem. Yeah. Well, and you had more strings to pull. 
Yeah, and like I've said on the show before, you know, uh, uh, for a one-year-old, you're making all of their decisions. Yeah. For a 21-year-old, you're making none, none of their decisions. And so that's where we are now. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, you know, you're just so going, oh, please, please turn out. Please be please don't. A, a, please a good don't die. A contributor to society. That's what you know, our, make your mark. Our guest earlier, Dr. Kathleen Corovo, said that's what she said. All you can do is have instilled that emotional trust that they get. They do trust you emotionally. And then they may not see you as the expert. So so it may not be that he sees you as the expert anymore. Yeah. But ultimately, the, the trust really is about when they do have life troubles at the age of 30, 40, yeah. 50. Do they feel like they can come, come home back. and get some advice from dad? Mm. Can they spend some time knee to knee and analyzing life situations yeah. you know, with you? Or is it like you, you see about people on TV where they just don't have, want anything to do with dad oh, yeah. anymore? And oh, that, yeah. would be, that would be well, the greatest tragedy. Oh, can you imagine? And so, I mean, that's the goal. Let's take a break. I want to come back and talk about that because there's got to be stuff we can do to make sure that we're not the parent you know, that they're always avoiding. We don't want them to be, yeah. And that's horrible. That's a horrible thought. Okay, great. Again, we knew, we knew Mark would do it, even if he's not going to wear his $1,000 headset. <laughs> I'm still sporting my $7 one from Walmart. <laughs> uh, we're going to take a break. This is the Matt Townsend Show. More on earning that trust, growing that trust with our older children. This is the, the Matt Townsend Show again. We'll be right back right here on BYU Radio. everybody to the Matt Townsend show in the house Mark wait we're not going to call you Dr. Mark <laughs> no that but would let's be call a mistake. you but I, I do want to call you guru more goo than rue yeah let's call you goo <laughs> I love that Mark Waite, by the way the host of the BYU radio show through the garage door uh, he, he likes to claim that he's not the host you like to claim that you're the producer. Lowly, lowly producer. You're the lowly producer, and you keep Don Shaline on the air. In film, the producer is the top guy. In radio, the producer is the bottom of the barrel. Really? Sorry, Sean. You're, no, Jeez. not Sean, Sean just, just me. winced. <laughs> He's like, what the? Um, so, my place. <laughs> yeah, you know your place. So Mark's talking about his kids. Uh, they're aging. <laughs> yeah, they? they're, they're almost 24. <laughs> they're just they're they're getting older and now you're thinking but see I think you you what I love is you always just talk as the rest of us think. You you say what we're all thinking because there's a fear. I don't want to say what you're thinking. No, you don't. <laughs> yeah, I don't even dare say what I'm thinking. But you actually say what you're thinking and you're thinking it. You have a fear that what if these kids don't trust you enough as adults to come around, to open up, to to want you when they need you. Yeah, maybe there's like three levels. You in you see it on TV and in movies, the the par- the kids who are so alienated from their parents that they don't even want to come home for yeah. holidays. That's that's I just standard that Hollywood yep, fare. Yeah. Four Christmases. I watched And then that. on the other extreme there's the kids who who are always involved and connected and who want life advice and life coaching. Yeah. Um, and who want you to be a part of their lives and to help raise their children, your grandchildren. Probably most people are in, a, in that middle zone 
where they are willing to come home for Thanksgiving, yeah. but they don't want a whole lot of right. interconnectedness. They, and, and you hope for the one. You hope, yeah. for, you, you hope that they trust you enough based on the way you raise them, that they will trust their children to you uh-huh. to help raise their children right. because grandparents can be a huge boon in raising grandchildren. Oh, think, oh, t- a whole and, different perspective. And you need that because I'm realizing I'm exhausted. So to know that they can go to grandparents and grandparents could pick up the slack is yeah. huge. My, I have a sister who's just an angel. She's just an angel. And she really is very heavily involved with her grandchildren. And, you know, her grandkids will, in certain circumstances, be pretty wild. Mm-hmm. But when, the, when they go to grandma's, they know it's a whole different set of rules. Yeah. That they have to be responsible and respectful. Isn't that interesting? And they just are just so much better behaved yeah. around grandma. Yeah, you know, they want it's a different dynamic. Grandma. Do you remember, though, what kind of guy were you? Because you just gave us the three different types of levels of involvement with parents. But which one were you with your parents? Because it seems like to me you'd be the independent one that doesn't need the help. Or were you more one that was really wanting them connected and in? Because uh, maybe that's part of what you might get from your children is more of what you showed. Cats in the Cradle and the Silver Spoon. Yes. Little Boy Blue and the Man, Man on the Moon. Moon. One of my favorite songs. <laughs> it's my favorite Father's Day song. <laughs> um, hard to talk about without getting emotional because to me, my dad, who's been gone for, I guess, 13 years now, he was a demigod. He, yeah. He, uh, we occasionally had spats and arguments, but boy, uh, if he – had advice for me, I was all ears. You listened. And in fact, there was one critical juncture in my life where uh, we were in California. I was out of work. Um, and so I wanted a career. And my brother, who was president of a railroad back east, offered me a job on a, on a signal gang on the railroad. Oh, wow. This is in the deep south, extreme heat, out on the road for four days at a time, doing manual labor with – uh, just the the dirtiest, filthiest kind of swearing kind of guys. Yeah. And I was so desperate to get on another career track. I had been in advertising that I was willing to do it. I was ready to go. Bags were packed. Let's go to Shreveport, Louisiana. <laughs> oh, wow. I've been there. So that I can be this um, blue, blue collar, yeah. heat, and I'll, I'll pay any price because we have two little babies now. Yeah. And babies ruin everything because they make you responsible. <laughs> yeah, now you got to grow up. My dad came to me. I was all ready to go. My dad came to me and says, you know what? I'm just not feeling that. That doesn't feel right. For you. What if, Mark, what if you went to BYU and got a teaching certificate and taught high school? This feeling uh, from just – just tell. went down through me. Yeah. This is light. This is what light feels like. Yeah. I said, he's right. He's my patriarch. Yeah. He gets it. He knows. Yeah. And it just changed everything for me. And relieved you. Relieved me of this this horrible goal. direction I was going to go. Now, no, nothing against railroad no, no, workers. Would, I love the you, railroad. It wasn't going to work. It wasn't me. And he knew you. And he knew me. And he was receiving revelation for his son. That's cool. Uh, yeah. So I listened to my dad. Now, you know what? I'll bet your kids listen to you then. You get a whole lot of – and maybe maybe they will on the big things, yeah. but on the little things, it's kind of a lot of yeah, 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 yeah. Because the problem is I give too much too much advice sometimes. Oh, yeah. So they esteem it lightly. It, it, yeah. it bounces off uh-huh. them. You know? but so maybe, maybe I should hold back and wait were, for the big stuff. It seems like you were 
perfectly prepared to then – you always listen to your dad, it sounds like. But also getting Not beat always. down in the advertising world and or maybe – and having this career move, you maybe were in a better position. Oh, humility. To hear. Absolutely. So you know that will happen to your kids. Um, your kids are going to have a humbling – Moment. I was in the wilderness of my affliction. Yeah. I was loving advertising in L.A. We lost our two biggest clients oh. within two months of each other, Isuzu and Carl's Jr. Oh, no. Half the agency got laid off. We're pregnant with number two. And now, uh, well, you know, I was, we were in L.A. My folks were in Sacramento. We picked up like Okies. We moved to Sacramento because there's, there's safety there. Yeah. Once again, that's go, running home to mommy and yeah. daddy. I was in the wilderness of my affliction. I was depressed. But – being with mom and dad meant we were safe. Yep. We had a little refuge. And then that's where that uh, railroad versus BYU thing came in. That's huge. But that's really the goal of all so of us. So we were off track parents. for about a year and then got back on track. And, it's and been, now that was 20 you. years ago. Well, and look at you now. How do you like me now? <laughs> How do you like me now? Now you're getting $1,000 headsets just thrown at you. Thrown at me. I mean, I'm sporting, let's just say, once again, a $7 headset. <laughs> On but you sale like at Walmart. Those. I actually love them. It's so, it just shows you the quality of my character. Or the, actually, or, your ears. or my ears. The quality of my hair. You're all about comfort. You like comfort. It's comfort. I can't be hot. Besides, you're not listening to music in here anyway, so they're not no. that critical. No, but I have to listen to James, which isn't easy. I mean, I love you, but he's always telling me his you know, secrets. Um, so what are you going to do with your kids? They're going to come to you, and he's going to say, "Dad, I want to marry this girl." Oh no, this is yeah. Um, I mean, and you're going number to have to... one is really close to getting married, really close to engagement, and we are. Does so... she know this? Because I don't want to blow. Yeah, I don't no, want to no. She she's that. in uh, Italy, coming back from uh, oh. a month and a half in Italy uh, this weekend. Really, it's been a tough six weeks for him. <laughs> he. Uh, no, we are so thrilled because he's had a couple of previous girlfriends where I did say to him, <laughs> "Dude." Hey, you I just the, don't feel good about this. I know, but re- pe- people listen to this show, so be careful because she you, might be listening. Those girls the, might be listening. That is a huge thing, though, because oh, yeah. your future potential oh, children everything. in law, uh-huh. most parents just keep their yaps shut. Oh, and no. that's the yeah. safe thing to do because what if they do marry them anyway? Uh-huh. Someday it's going to come out that you didn't approve of yeah. them. And then that is a stigma that will follow that relationship for the rest of forever. So you have to be so yes. gingerly about – Especially when it gets close to the finish line, right? So now he's about to – Yeah, and I, so on these first two girlfriends, I had to pull him aside and say, I really just am not feeling comfortable about yeah. this relationship with you and her. Please don't ever tell her that I said this. Please yeah. don't. Yeah. Um, but now he has found a girl that is – I mean she's just – Almost too good to be true. And maybe she is. No, it's, Julianne, are you too good to be true? No, you're in Italy right now. You can't hear this. Yeah. She, no, she's fantastic. And I'm just – I'm all in. But he also – All the chips are in. He Although listened I, to you earlier. Her dad, I hear, is not super crazy about Bill. And this is a pattern I oh. see again and again because parents, especially daddies of little girls, yeah. almost invariably – Oh, yeah. You can't win that. Don't trust the guy. No. That's how I because knew. Because he's taking That's my little it. girl away from me. That's it. Because I was so worried about that. My father-in-law didn't like me. Didn't he? No. But see – He tolerated When me. my son-in-law asked for my daughter's hand, you know what? The only thing that made it work is that he – his caring, he broke down and cried and just said, I just want to tell you, I love your daughter so much. 
And he just – if he hadn't cried and if I hadn't felt his emotional love for my daughter, it never would have closed the deal. Mm-hmm. I mean he's a great kid and everything on paper is incredible. But what converted me to knowing he was good was that I could feel his goodness. That he was feeling it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if he hadn't – and you can't – okay, now I will cry. I will go. I will ask her for, for her hand at TGI Fridays and I will cry. <laughs> By the way, it was like 1030 at night. It was after a workshop I had done. He needed to meet with me really bad. He needed to. He just so he, was, oh, he was doing the traditional getting your mm-hmm. approval thing? And he, he just took me down, and I think I even bought the meal. And, TGI Friday. <laughs> yeah. I think I bought the appetizers. But he, in the end, it <laughs> with was – coup- Did you so have a coupon? Yeah, <laughs> two-for-one appetizer coupon. <laughs> it was really good. But in the end, that's the only way through this. And so if – I mean, that's what your dad had was that moral authority. The moral authority your dad had is because your heart, you so trusted him and believed him. I had, to, I had to feel my son's goodness, my son-in-law's goodness, in order to get me to buy into that deal. So, they, so children have to also earn very, very quickly yeah. in a very short time frame. They have to earn the trust of their future parents-in-law. Oh, it's so true. And the best way to do that, again, goes back to our whole show, is you have to connect emotionally. They have to sense that you're safe emotionally. Mm-hmm. So that's your son, too. But he obviously believed you after your advice because you gave him advice on two girls that he yeah. apparently took. Yeah. It didn't take immediately, but he, he eventually— He got it. Yeah. Well, that, that validated. Dad was right. And, oh, and, you know, I can tell him right now, okay, look, Juliana versus these previous oh. girls. And he goes, oh, my I gosh. Know. Oh, yes. Dad, what if I had made light that years, Light years beyond these previous girls. See, you're good. You— you just, yeah, I think you're underestimating your power. You have power with Bill. Mm. I hope so. On the big things, I hope so. You will. You have to let the little things go. What's the one bit of wisdom? What do we need to do then as parents? What, what have you learned? Give us the one thing that makes the biggest deal. Uh, teach by example and don't lie to them if you don't want them to lie to you. That's it. I think that's a cool standard. We don't lie. I can hear everything you have to say. Yep. I won't kill you. But I will – I mean, we'll be real. Never, never lie to me. And if there's something you want to do that you feel like you're going to have to lie to your kids, better off just don't do it. Just don't drink the Mountain Dew <sighs> if you feel you're going to have to hide it from the kids. So true. Yeah. I just drink in the car. <laughs> now I'm a closet car drinker. <laughs> and then I come in the house and they're like, Dad, you smell like carbonation. Why are you so wired? And why are you so hyper, Dad? You smell like Mountain Dew. Well done, Mark. Thank you. Again, Thanks, Matt. They can listen to you through the garage door. It's every day. It's at night, right? What time? Do you know your time? Uh, 10 o'clock uh, Mountain, midnight Eastern, every night but Sunday. There to go. Keeping it clean. And uh, have me on again in six months. Wouldn't kill you. We'll have you on sooner. <laughs> and we can just get, we'll get with your people. <laughs> well done, Mark. Wait, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. As we wrap up the show, we're going to uh, have a little discussion about real versus fake. There's so many things in this world that seem so real, but really they're fake. Sean's going to walk us through that. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, we've been talking about trust. On the show today, how you build trust, how you, you know, teach trust. And now we're going to talk about, uh, Sean, you put together a real versus fake 
Just what? a segment. Yeah. I, I was hoping it would be food, and you'd say, "No, sorry." Is this a real donut lemon tart, <laughs> or a fake lemon tart? Well, that's pretty easy to do. Yeah. It, that's what, actually when uh, I got to visit uh, Japan when my dad was in the military. You did. Yeah, and seriously, in every in the front of every single Japanese restaurant, they have fake food. They have they have it set up so that you can see what the plate will look like when it comes to your table, and it's all plastic. Oh, see, that would be fun. Mm-hmm. That'd be a great trick. But that, but it, it was easy for us to order because we would just order. Oh, well, that looks good. I'll have and you just point to it. Well, but you didn't I, have to know the name. I can tell the difference between a fake plate of food. Well, and yeah, a real yeah, plate exactly. Food. Yeah, but what if you couldn't tell the difference between something that was real or fake? Like I don't know, someone you're dating. Well, yeah. Well, okay. Well, how about? Uh, you know all the technology we have today. Mm-hmm. How do you know some of the videos we see oh, I know you are don't. real or fake? Right. You don't. That's so true. Mm-hmm. How do you even know that we went to the moon? But if you're fo- if we're fooled, no that that I know is real. If if you're f- fooled, mm. what about your kids? Oh yeah, they're really fooled. Sometimes. No, totally. Yeah, but we want our kids. To, we don't want our kids to be taken in by things that we think are real. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if that if that was the case, they'd be taking all those miracle pills on the Internet or trying to talk to the Nigerian prince about his money. <laughs> oh, no. I, by, by the way, I really, you remind me. I've got to send him a check. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he keeps he – keep, I don't know where he got his But that doesn't mean we need to spoil everything for our kids either, like we were talking right. with, yeah, with you don't want, you could Professor ruin, Corvo. Yeah. You could yeah. ruin a lot of stuff. You could, actually. And I know parents that have done that. Oh, yeah. I can tell you about that later. <laughs> but it's healthy – okay, it's healthy for child a child to have a make-believe world, I think. Yeah. That they can play in, that they can have fun in. You know, and eventually, yes, you might leave that behind. Mm-hmm. It's you, We're not Peter Pan. No. We have to leave the, the make-believe behind. Okay, by the way, is Aaron listening to this? But it is sometimes okay for Sorry, adults to, ha- to, to live in the make-believe world as well. Yeah, but like Aaron, he I wears, play video games. You've seen Aaron wear those Peter Pan tights. That's true, yes. He wears the tights. Okay. And, and the little. hat Guys, just makes it too much. I'm not joking. James has a pair of uh, elf costume Peter-type-like <laughs> pants that he wears and dances in sometimes. Oh, man. James has they were roommates. Peter Pan-like elf uh, pants. Aaron's. No, stop. So don't blame me. <laughs> that was our secret. Is that real or fake? You guys have to guess. I just got not. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, we, let's just pretend that never happened. No, I have but video evidence. Delete, delete okay. your, your memories of the last 30 seconds. I can't get it seconds. out of my head. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Search the morning routine on YouTube, and oh, you no. will see James dancing Please, in no. his tights. Oh, great. But we, I, 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 you know, I think fantasy has its place in life. Yeah, I do. Okay? But I, can also think, I also think you can learn from fantasy. You can teach lessons that way to your kids. Oh, sure. No, totally. Like, Aesop's fables. Uh-huh. I mean, you can you can teach, you know, righteous principles. Oh yeah, or just even principles. Maybe they're not righteous. I don't know. Just principles. Just teach principles about life, and you can do it in in story form. Yep. I think. I think. In fact, in in probably in a better way than other forms. Yeah, it's right. easier for the kid to understand yeah, that way. That's right. But at the same time, you have to teach your children the difference between real and fake. Yeah, like we were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. they have to start distinguishing the lines between the two. Exactly. You have like when I take my kids to a movie, on the way home, I talk to my kids about the movie. I know that might be unusual for some people. Yeah. Because I know some people who take their kids to the movie, they just set them in the chair and they try to enjoy the movie and don't worry about the kids sitting there. That's That's true. <laughs> but I worry about, you know, what did my kids see on the screen and what do they think about it? So we talk about the movie on the way home. 
So good. What did you think about it? What did you learn from the movie? What was your favorite part of the movie? And then, you know that wasn't real. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know that doesn't happen. You know, I took my 15-year-old to see Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles the other night. Yeah. Those aren't real. Those aren't real turtles, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, the turtles can't talk. I mean, you could get big walking turtles like that. Sure. But they don't speak. No. Duh. (laughs) So, after you've done all of that, I've, I, I decided we got to have something a little fun to end the show here. Cool. So I thought I'd ask, real versus fake, what's mm. better? Okay? Okay. So what's better, real friends or fake friends? Um, um, mm, which ones are around more? Probably the real ones. I like fake friends. <laughs> <laughs> I want them to leave me alone. Real fr- uh, That's interesting. I like real friends. Mm-hmm. You may have but fewer, can you, yeah. Can you tell when you have fake friends? Yes. You know how you can tell? You pass, They're on Facebook? You pass one kidney stone. You know who your friends are. Okay. Because my friends, at my 40th birthday, I had just passed a kidney stone, and I had it. And I was show, you were sharing it? I was showing it to people. My would, real friends wanted ew? to see my kidney stone. Ew. I'm sorry. My fake friends were like, get that away from me. That is gross. And I'm like, no, I, I named it. His name is Chip. I named my kidney stones. Oh, okay. Chip. No, some people would Is it named after Chip. the kid in, in Beauty and the Beast? No, he's named after Chip off the old Matt Block. <laughs> Matt Block. Wasn't that a TV show? Matt Block. Great show. Yeah. Yeah. Andy Griffiths. <laughs> Matt Block. By the way, he had and all the youngsters in here are not knowing exactly what we're talking about right now. But so real friends will be there through thick and through thin. Yeah. They'll be there as you pass okay. a kidney stone. What's better, real sweeteners like sugar or fake sweeteners? Real sweeteners. So much better. Definitely real. Yep. Aspartame gives you a lot of issues. That's right. Coke. Yeah. I'll say, because uh, everyone else is, and under peer pressure, I will say uh, real <laughs> sweeteners. <laughs> okay. As I drink my beverage. <laughs> it works. Take a nice sip of that. Mm. There you go. I don't know. Aspartame's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Tastes great. I just got a kick of aspartame. <laughs> Woo. That's good. All right. Maple syrup. Real any day, mm. every day. So good. Which costs more? Oh, real. Real stuff costs far. a lot more. I mean, a lot more. Hold on, is Aunt Jemima syrup real? Uh, no. Well, it it's it it, it is syrup. Is log cabin real? It's not real mm. maple syrup. Though. Yeah. I mean, I'm talking. You know, you go in, tap the tree, have it go into yeah. the bucket, and then you go. Okay. Let me just tell you, it depends it where you live. Because I lived oh, in Argentina. Definitely. Yes. And I made my own syrup for my own pancakes. Sure. And that nothing real but about you had, it. But uh, I'm sorry. That, I think that brings f- a lot of satisfaction when you make something. Totally. Yeah. That's see that's where I'm that's where cooking worked. Yes. So I don't care. It depends where I live. If I if I have all the amenities and life is great, then I want real syrup. But would have been good on the plastic pancakes that you had out there as a demonstration yeah. is what the meal yeah. was. No, no. That okay. would have been bad. That would have been bad. All right. Maybe this one's for Alyssa. Real diamonds or fake diamonds? Oh. Real, thank you. Did you get did you get that, James? Cubic yeah. zirconium I'm taking way cheaper yeah. when you get yeah. married. Okay. Uh, okay, Aaron. Did you use real diamonds? I did. Or? I, I was teasing. But hey, you can get a nice ring for 50 bucks. Real fake but diamonds. I'm, I'm not saying it has to be big. Just real. Yeah, what, genuine. What carrot right? would you prefer? If, oh, I don't you know. know. Wait a minute. James is asking her like, what carrot she well, would prefer? You know, oh, green. green carrots. Green <laughs> carrots? What? Oh. Carrots. Aaron doesn't understand. Uh, oh, sorry. 
And uh, pearls. Yes. Real, real. Do you know how to tell the difference between a real pearl and a fake pearl? Yeah. One's a $1,000 necklace. <laughs> okay, no. If you just had them sitting in front of you, could you tell the difference? Yes. You rub them on your teeth. That's exactly right. And then I what like happens? to suck on them for about a minute. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. If you rub them on your teeth and they feel smooth, they're fake. Mm-hmm. If yeah. they feel rough, they're real pearls. Mm-hmm. Wow. Because the real – the fake pearls don't have the little – Indentations and the and the infrequent you know mistakes. Yeah, does that so, apply to diamonds as well? Can no, I rub it does my not. Teeth on my wife's? No, okay. that one you cut them with glass. Actually, <laughs> oh, okay. you cut try and That's cut right. glass. Okay, last one. Real or fake? What's better for a Christmas tree? Oh Ooh, man, That's good. I'm going to have to go with fake on that one. I'm going to go with fake because they don't shed. Like and you don't have everywhere. to go get them. You can just yeah. pull them out of your basement. You know what? Yep. I go with fake too. Yeah. Only for one reason, and it's not because mine sheds Why? no matter what. Because it has lights on it already. I knew it. Oh. <laughs> so much easier. Yeah. That's it's pre lit. Oh, that's good. See. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's it. So real, and fake. Uh, anyway, thanks for joining us, folks. Trust. One of my favorite quotes right here. I use it all the time. Uh, Who you are speaks so loudly, I can't hear the words you're saying. If you want more power with people, what'd you say? Who you are? I couldn't hear you. Speaks louder than the words. So remember your your actions, your role modeling. That's the key to building trust. Thanks for joining us. Remember, trying to help you find the good in life. We'll be back here tomorrow with uh, some more best of shows from the Matt Townsend Show, and again Monday with more great ideas, more topics right here on BYU Radio. 